When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Weekend Warrior, every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. On ESPN LA 710. Dedicated to you, the fan who works hard all week and slugs it out on the court. The field, the big box store, and the honey-do list all weekend long. And helping you cope as you come to the realization you're not 19 any longer. Here's board-certified orthopedic surgeon Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a show we're having, talking about gratitude. And thanking the people along the way. I can't thank you guys enough. The Weekend Warrior Nation. Telling your friends. Telling your family. It's just awesome to be on this journey together. Before I get into the sound bites, the lines are all lit up. So I feel like I should do some Clapper vision with the Weekend Warriors. Let's go to Moses. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Moses, are you there? Do we have him? Moses. I think he's calling on two lines. Hey, Tyler. Moses. He's done? Okay. We lost him. All right, then good. Then I'll get into the topic today. Gratitude. Okay. All right, cool. At 8.15, my guest, Jody Delaney, is the director of the METV Legends. You can check it out on YouTube, which I do all the time. Interviews with people who made the TV shows that we watch, the behind the scenes, the anecdotal stories. And when I knew she was coming on, it made me think, wow, you win this unbelievable award as an Emmy. Peter Falk, my favorite detective for Columbo. And the first thing he does is start thanking other people who helped make the show happen. It was awesome. But at the end of his acceptance speech, he thanked a young writer, Stephen Bochco, who later would become the biggest guy in the TV business for the next decade. Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, and many, many other shows. But when Peter Falk mentioned Stephen Bochka, who at the time was brand new, it made his career. And it made me think, what a special moment. And then to hear Stephen Bochko talk about that moment was awesome. Where in the world of art do we see such a story? Kevin Durant winning his individual prize as the MVP in the NBA, thanking Karan Butler and his teammates, and most of all, thanking his mom for the sacrifice she made in calling her the MVP. Throughout my life, all the beautiful successes I've had, I didn't do it alone. You got to thank all those people, and you got to tell them before it's too late. But let's listen to Peter Falk thanking Little Steven Bochco for all that happened. 
But I wouldn't be here, and there wouldn't be any Colombo. Uh, there wouldn't be any show. There wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for uh, uh, Bill Link and Dick Levinson. Uh, uh, they, they created this character, and they created the format, and they wrote, and they produced, and, and it's their idea. It's the, their baby. The, the whole thing is theirs, and I'm very grateful to them. I uh, also want to thank Dick Irving. He's believed in this thing for about five years and fought for it, and I don't think with his, without his persistence, I don't know whether it will be on the air. I can thank Everett Chambers for a lot of things. I, I think I'll pick two, making me laugh and being a man. And uh, uh, Steve Bochco for the writing he did every week. Stephen Bochco. The last thing he says before he gets off the stage. It's just the little thing. But to Stephen Bochco, it's the biggest thing. What do they say? In this world, you may be just one person. But to one person, you may be the world. At that moment, Peter Falk was the world to Stephen Bochco. Listen now, because of these beautiful archived interviews, because Stephen Bochco and Peter Falk are both gone. But we get to listen to what that tiny little moment in the history of television, was the biggest moment for Stephen Bochco. Bill and Dick's office, you know, Peter would go in there and, yeah, you know, yeah. But then he'd always come out and he'd stick his head in my little cubby hole of, of, of an office where I was typing. And he was so sweet to me. How you doing? How you doing? You know, how's it going? You know, oh, that script was great. You know, this is this and this. And in that first year, when he was nominated as Best Actor, uh, and he won. And when he went up, he made this wonderful uh, uh, speech in, in which, among other things, he thanked me by name. And it really sort of put me on the map. I mean, suddenly, I was somebody, you know, working in the business. It was very, he was a wonderful guy. He, he, he meant a lot to me. Suddenly, I was somebody. How special is that? Acknowledging in that it didn't cost him anything, but made the career of Stephen Bochco. Well, when Kevin Durant in 2013 wins the MVP of the NBA, he immediately recognizes, I did not do this alone. What a beautiful speech. It's just, it's just a surreal feeling. And I had so much help. So many people believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. So many people doubted me and motivated me every single day to be who I am. I fell so many times and got back up. I've been through the toughest times with my family but I'm still standing. Those emotions run deep when you start thinking back to the beginning and how many people sacrificed and helped you to get this individual award. Whether it's an Emmy on TV, whether it's an MVP trophy, or whether it's me getting a patent for a new invention or doing someone's surgery. Each one of them it may be one, one out of 16,000 surgeries I've done. But to that one person, it's the whole world. 
My mom, I think she just wanted to get me and my brother out the house for a couple hours. Um, but when I walked into the gym, I fell in love with the game. And I didn't fall in love with it just because it was me playing. I fell in love with it because I got guys like this. Um, like these guys every single day that push me to be the best player I can be. I want to single them out. Karan, even though you just got here uh, a few months ago, you know, we've grown so close uh, over these last few weeks. And I can remember when you first got here, you wrote a piece of paper in my locker. I don't know why I'm crying so much, man. <laughs> you wrote a piece of paper in my locker and said, KD, MVP. And that's after we had lost two or three straight. And um, I don't really like, I don't really say much, you know, in those moments, but I remember that. I go home and I think about that stuff, man. When you got people behind you, you can do whatever. And I thank you, man. I appreciate you. You got people behind you. You can do whatever. And here, finally, he thanks his mom. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. Put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> You're the real MVP. Oh, my God. How beautiful. Thank you, Kevin Durant, for reminding us. What an awesome topic. Being grateful. All the lines are lit up, so I'm going to interrupt to take some calls. Let's go. Moses, you're back on the line. You're with Dr. Clapper. How can I help you? Hey, Dr. Clapper, huge fan. Been listening to you for years, my man. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 46 years old. I work for L.A. Water and Power. Nice. I love it. You know, yeah. when I see your name, Moses, I went to Yeshiva for yeah. eight years. I'm, I'm with the, the guys with the black hats and the payas and, and taluses and tzitzis. This is an orthodox Jewish crazy place. I went to school for the first eight years. My parents, I don't know why they tortured me going. But I had classmates with all the biblical names. But it wasn't Moses. The name was Moshe. And all I would learn Moshe. about is, is how that poor guy went to the top of Sinai, looked down, and altogether he was away for a few hours and they made a golden calf. These people could not even wait for him to come down with the two tablets. They couldn't wait five minutes already. They're praying not to God to a golden calf. I and you know what? People haven't changed. If you don't give them what they want in five minutes, they're going to stop praying to a golden calf instead of to God. It's unbelievable. So, Moses, 100%. your name is very special. Whoever gave you that name, your mom or your dad, it's an awesome name. It's, my father's name was Abraham. I mean, it doesn't get more right. biblical than Moses or Abraham. I, I just love it. I feel terrible. I only have the name Robert. I wish I had a name like that. Jedediah or something like that would be so much better. Right, right. What's life, what has life been you. like being called Moses? Do you ever have people who look at you differently because you have such a beautiful biblical name? No, they just mentioned, oh, you're, you must be religion. My parents were, especially my mom. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, how can I help you? What you do to yourself? Well, you know, I, I play softball on the weekends, and um, when I've been playing sports all my life. But just recently, maybe eight months ago, both my knees started, started hurting after my softball games. I played two softball games in here in Burbank uh, mm -hmm. on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And uh, they swell up, and it feels like they've got liquid in them. They do. So, you know, I'm now wearing knee, knee, knee braces, 
But, I mean, it's killing me. And now they're, like, cracking every time. So you're going to do me a favor, right, Moses? You're not going to let any doctor give you shots with needles of cortisone, stem cells, PRP, Synvisc, right? No needles. That's a no-no, exactly. Good. So there's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. You should get a copy. It'll show you the right exercises to do because you, thanks to those beautiful parents of yours and your grandparents, they gave you lots of beautiful things, Moshe, but they also gave you altacocoritis. And at this young, tender age of only being in your 40s, that swelling means they're inflamed. Why are they inflamed? Well, you know what it's like. Here's a clapper vision. You know what it's like to get poked in the eye. Your eye gets red, swollen. It hurts, right? That's what inflammation is. Red, swollen, the body trying to deal with getting poked in the eye. Well, when you start degenerating, not 27, but 47, you start breaking down your skin, your heart valves, you get cataracts. We start to age. Well, when the cartilage, whether it's the meniscus, the articular cartilage, isn't as beautiful as that fresh bungee cord but imagine leaving a bungee cord out in the back of your truck for 47 years in the sunlight trust me it ain't so elastic anymore well that's what's happening inside your knees and there is no magic potion there is no anti-aging there is no people want to tell sell you all kinds of stuff stay away if it sounds too good to be true trust me there's no hair on top of my head there's nothing that's going to make that come back thank you very much so that's the reality i gotta pretend i'm michael jordan okay thank god he shaved his head god i'd kiss him every day if i saw him but the reality is is if you now look for a quick answer of a pill or a shot as we say in new york forget about it don't do that but what you can do moses so that you can still play your softball on Sundays is see that exercise as what you love, but it happens to be abusive. You need to do nurturing exercise. I'm not telling you not to play softball, but you got to spend Monday through Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half an hour riding a stationary bike, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, walking in a pool. It's not going to happen in a week or two, but you do this for a month and you will start to feel better. Now, if your knees persist in being swollen and painful, then you will need an x-ray, an exam, and you may need an MRI. And if that's the case, I'm happy to help you, Moses. But right now, let's see how you can do by doing nurturing exercises so you can continue to be the athlete that I want you to be as a weekend warrior in your late 40s, 50s, and 60s. Okay? Sounds good to me, Dr. Clapper. You're awesome, man. I appreciate you. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for being a loyal weekend warrior. I appreciate it. Now, listen, you're a total stranger, Moses. Look at what I just did for you. I need you to find a total stranger today. You find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me, all right? 100%. Consider it done. All right. God bless you, Moses, and thanks for calling. All right, coming up next, I'm so excited. The great Jody Delaney is calling in, and we're going to talk about Those sound bites they've archived that allow us to see the connections of what the actor or director who's winning the Emmy, but all those connections to the people behind the scenes. It's awesome to be able to hold that history. And we'll get into it coming up next right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 7710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm too much scheidenfreuding. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Oh, am I excited to talk to my next guest. She's special. She's got a big job to do. The great Jody Delaney. Jody, thanks so much for making time to be with us this morning. Good morning, Dr. Clapper. What a pleasure. Uh, I'm having so much fun, but I do each and every Saturday for 12 years now on ESPN. And I got to be honest with you, a lot of the sound bites that I pull to talk about the world of art and music come from the interviews of the METV legends which you are responsible for, and I can't thank you enough to hear Jack Klugman talking about hiring his brother who had bone cancer to, for the Rachmanis of it, of just to help his brother out who lived in Philadelphia and brings him to his house in California while he's doing the Quincy show and says, you know what, I'm getting bored. Can I write some of the scripts? And he goes, are you crazy? You're in the schmata business. What do you know about writing scripts? And then Jack Klugman to then say, we use 17 of my brother's ideas in episodes. Oh, my God. And then to hear Larry King, who's not here anymore. Talk about Frank Sinatra, who's not here anymore, about that very first time he came on his show and made him Larry King. These things are beyond the word priceless. It's just amazing to house them. So give us, Jody, a little bit of the history. First of all, I'd love to know a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? What did your father do for a living? And how did you end up in the TV business? Well, good question. I mean, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wow. Uh, my father was a farmer. Yeah, both, both of my parents were farmers in central Minnesota. My mom was one of 10 kids, and my dad's twin brother had 14 kids. So I'm, I'm pretty much related to everyone in central Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I graduated from the University of Minnesota, and uh, no lie, my parents actually gave me luggage uh, as a graduation <laughs> gift, and at my graduation party, my bags were packed, and I went to New York City the next day, and uh, I had a week-long adventure, where when, and by Wednesday morning of that week-long adventure, I had a job, and by Wednesday evening, I had an apartment, and I stayed there for uh, about 18 years. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. 
Did you know anybody in New York? I had one friend, actually the guy I was dating at the time, uh, his sister was working there, and she actually really helped me plugged in. I know you were talking about gratitude earlier. I I am forever grateful to this woman who helped Mm. me really launch my career as a young person in New York City. Um, And I eventually ended up in Peter Jennings' documentary unit at ABC News, and that was actually my first time getting familiar with archives, right? Because we did a project about the 20th century and um, we, we, I, I started to have a connection to archives all over the world and really understanding the importance of them, uh, the importance of preserving them, which is actually a whole story unto itself, mm. um, because you can't, right, all these mediums that you record on can deteriorate. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I learned a lot and it kind of, you know, just leading me up to where I am now, um, it was a really great start just to learn about, you know, number one, the importance of storytelling mm-hmm. um, and number two, right? Keep keeping those um, in shape and in good condition so that people can learn from it for years to come. So, I this is fascinating. You're, you're, forget about talking about Jack Klugman. You're more fascinating than, than any of these other people. You, what did you learn from an uncle, a grandparent in the world of mm. farming that relates to what you do now archiving the history of television. Well, isn't it interesting that you're, I mean, the stories of the stories of your family, mm-hmm. right? They, they stick with you forever. And mm-hmm. when you talk about gratitude, I know that my parents, they ended up, they, they eventually left farming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, farming is a hard thing to do. I was, I actually grew up in the city. My siblings were born uh, in Northern Minnesota and I grew up in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the stories that were shared from farming were really how, you know, sticking with it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, handling diversity, mm-hmm. or, I mean, adversity, I'm sorry, uh, being resilient. Um, and I think that a lot of these stories from our TV pioneers, I mean, they were inventing things as they went along, right? Mm-hmm. This archive goes all the way back to like what TV was invented. So, you know, it's how do you continue to innovate, you know, when things are hard? Um, how do you create things that you're, you can think of but you can't really see them yet? Do you remember um, a story... So where the other farming family in the farm next door came and loaned your grandfather a tractor because his broke? Well, I'll, I mean, I don't know about a broke tractor, but I can tell you that it was complete community. Yeah. Right? Really, really helping each other. Mm. My, um, I know that my parents' farm was next to my uncle's farm, who was a dairy farmer, mm. and they were completely dependent on each other, right? Right, right. I think the biggest stories I heard, my mom used to make dinners, right, or lunches for, you know, 20 guys because they would all come and harvest together. Hmm. And then they'd go to the next guy's house and ha- help him exactly. harvest, you know, his exactly. farm. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's very old school stuff, but that's, that's the way it worked and that's the way they grew up. So for, um, so me, that's what my family for me as a layperson listening to these archives that you preserve, thank God you and your people do, yeah, it's <laughs> about the the woman or the man who's getting that individual prize. But I got to tell you, after all these years of really listening carefully to what they're saying when they're getting their prize, the ones that stand out to me the most is they're allowing us to go now behind the scenes and thank the people that actually make the TV that you, who aren't getting the individual award. And that is what I think is really the beauty of what the Emmy is, 
is the allowing us to get down the rabbit hole and see all the other creatures that are involved so that that person can get that individual award. What is it that you see most powerful in winning the Emmy? Well, I mean, the Emmy is really, it's a very relevant award still, right? After all these years, it recognizes excellence. Um, and to be recognized by your peers, right? Because these are all voted on by Television Academy members who are all in the same business. It's meaningful. Um, it's been, and it's been meaningful for a long time. And it was interesting talking about Columbo, right? Columbo ran from you know, 1971 to 1978. Mm-hmm. They got seven Emmys. Wow. In that time, wow. three for Peter Falk and one for, one for the series, actually. But but what I love about the archive is that it, you know, uh, like you say, all these little tidbits are in there. These are oral history style uh, interviews, right? Some of them are three, four hours long. Mm-hmm. And so you can get into like we, we actually have the interview with William Link, who created Columbo. Mm-hmm. So there's little tidbits in there like, you know, and maybe you may or may not know this, but like they originally wrote it for Bing Crosby. Right. Right. So it would have been, you know, you'd have a pipe, not a cigar. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and and actually the premiere was directed by a young Steven Spielberg. So, you know, you listen to William Link tell these stories and you realize like, oh, my goodness, there's a whole story behind, you know, this show, you know, this actor, you know, how how it inverted, you know, the classic detective story. Right. I used to watch this with my mom, by the way. So I could talk about Columbo all day. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But that is the beauty of this archive. Right. It is. It's like a buried treasure. And, and just for your listeners, you can actually go to televisionacademy.com, you know, slash interviews, and, and it's fully searchable. So you can actually search, you know, people who talk about Peter Falk um, or, you know, pretty much almost any moment in TV history. Um, and, and even we even have people talking about Columbo who were co-stars, right? Like Tyne, Tyne mm-hmm. Daly, Suzanne Flechette, Sybil Shepard, Angela Lansbury, like they all appeared in Colombo, and so you can go and find their interviews and hear them talk about their experience, you know, appearing as a guest star on Colombo. So yeah, it goes on and on and on. It's, it's uh, I well, feel like we're unburying a treasure right now. I have because I can multitask. While I'm talking to you, my Twitter is blowing up, <laughs> and there's a listener <laughs> named George Sands who tweeted me on November 5th, 1972, exactly one year after winning the fired game of their 33 straight five lakers appeared on an episode of columbo leroy ellis keith erickson jim mcmillan and pat riley so there you go they were actually on columbo so there's your connection to espn and this being the laker station uh for talking to you jody delaney about emmy tvs and columbo so I just would love to pick your brain if that's okay, because I, you know, Michelangelo is dead 500 years. I can't talk to him, but I can talk to Jody Delaney about TV. In your opinion, as an expert, and you truly are, what what is a question that you ask that gets the most out of the director, the actor, the the botchko that you're interviewing, the William Link? Tell me what it is that. First of all, do you have a favorite? Uh, guest that that came out uh on your tv emmy tv legends is you have a favorite one and what kind of question brings out the best in these people i just would love to know what you think well i hate to play favorites but i actually did i got to conduct one of these interviews i commandeered it from my team um, a couple of years ago i interviewed rupaul hmm. um just because i really wanted to i had met i had met rupaul when he was younger um, and it was just a really fun experience. And I will say there is a, there is one question um, that we absolutely ask everyone that I think is really relevant and interesting and gets a lot of great responses. And that is, 
what advice would you give to people coming into your area of the industry, right? Because this archive has, it has directors, it has sound people, it has, you know, production designers. It's not just based talent. It's, you know, all mm. levels of um, creation, right, for television. Mm. Um, but that usually gets a really interesting response, right? What, so because a lot of our, um, the people who use the archive are researchers, right? They're students. Mm. So, you know, I mean, and so in your world, right, there's, we have some legendary sportscasters. So if there's a student who wants to study to be a sportscaster, for instance, mm. they might go and they'll, they'll hear Al, what Al Michaels has to say, mm. you know, about what you should do if you want to become um, a wow. sportscaster like him, right? Wow. We have Jim McKay, we have Bob Costas, we have Frank Gifford. Wow. Right? Oh, um, and and, and Al, actually, actually Al, Al Michaels, if I may, I, that's one, because maybe your listeners would be interested in that. He talks, it's so interesting, he talks about sportscasting as an art form. Mm. Right. And the role of a good sportscaster sort of like being in the flow of the game. And he says something like, you know, the game is a melody and you provide the lyrics and, wow. you know, think about that. It's really it's it's absolutely fascinating oh, to, to listen to their out. experiences. And yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Jody, can you stay on for another segment? We just take a break to pay some bills. Is that OK? Because I, I really want to ask you, I, I really want to pick your brain and take advantage because I want to play some of the Botchko soundbite. And have you teach us why it is so... Can you stay on? Sure. Yeah, okay, love it. All right, the great Jody Delaney. I'm so happy to have her from METV Legends from the Television Academy. She's the executive director. What a treat. All right, we'll come up. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show, we'll get back to talk to her. We'll take a break. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 7710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. When I see the food, I eat it. Bada-boom. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm on a light diet. I only eat when it's light out. Bada-boom. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited to talk to the great Jody Delaney from the TV archives, the METV Legends, the series. You can download it on YouTube. It's just one of my favorite things to do. Jody, question. What is, what is the technique that brings out the best? So I want to play a soundbite and tell us what you hear and maybe what the interviewer may have said to get Stephen Bochco to tell this unbelievable story about learning from these mystery writers that he, he wasn't even a mystery writer. I, I want to hear what you hear as he begins his interview. Yeah, he told me about Columbo and he said, you know, the guys want to meet me. And I said, Dick, I said, I, it's a mystery show. I said, I don't know anything about mystery writing. It's just 
it's a mystery to me. <laughs> I don't have a clue uh, about that stuff. Um, he said, do it. It's going to be great. It'll be fine. Because I'd actually been laid off. This was in 1971. And I'd, I'd been laid off for like six or eight weeks. I hear the interviewer actually laugh in that mm -hmm. in the middle of that. So what's... Take us through the nuts and bolts of what it's like to sit across from someone like Stephen Bochco as you trying to extract from them these incredible closets in their brain of memories and bring them to the forefront. Well, collecting an oral history is actually an art form unto itself. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who, you know, study how do you preserve a story. And, and some of it, I have to say, it really has to do with taking time. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, and by the way, this, this, um, this archive uh, was renamed to the interviews a few years ago, so that is the best way to search it. If you go to televisionacademy.com um, slash interviews, and that's okay. where you'll find all of these and can search them. Great. Anyway, um, but yes, yeah, so, so, and I've done many, many interviews in my life, short form, long form. But um, what you do is you, you structure the questions in such a way that you kind of start from the beginning. Actually, the first thing we ask everyone is, what was your name at birth? Right? You'd be surprised. A lot of people, you know, they, they change their names and it's like, you know, it's completely different. But then you kind of take your time and that way they're able to um, recollect things in detail, right? Like we just heard from him. Mm -hmm. can we, you know, that interviewer took him back to that moment in time mm. and he had the time he wasn't rushing through right mm. they were probably at his house all, all day or all afternoon mm. um and he was able to go back and really remember in detail so that we could preserve that story mm. that's awesome all right here's another one where another part of the interview where he's starting to he's t telling us what he learned how not to overwrite which is just amazing because peter is peter he says, if you write that stuff, and then Peter does what you're writing on top of being Peter, it's over the top. He said, so you want to really underwrite this character, because Peter is so quirky and so imaginative with all that stuff. It was a wonderful lesson in, in you know, letting the actor fill the role, uh, you know, and, and, and not being such a control freak about you know every little characteristic that it, that it, that it sort of almost chokes the actor off because Peter Peter was that guy. Mm. What do you hear in that bite? You know what I hear. I mean, these are these are lessons, right? Lessons learned, and that's why it's so important to capture these stories, right? Because then you can you can learn from someone who is really in the thick of this. Right. How how did it work? And, and really, you know, no, no one's really capturing these stories like we do. I have to say it. It's no, something that I agree. I'm just so proud of. Yes. And now and, and by the way, I don't know if you realize this. We were recognized this year by the National Endowment for the Humanities. Wow. No, I listen to tons mm -hmm. of stuff. I can tell you right now, Jody Delaney, you and your staff, they're, they're the best at it. And 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 again, you yeah. make it seem easy, like, oh, you sit down with Steven Bochco and you put a microphone and he's just going to talk. No, it doesn't work that way. Just like these actors, directors, producers are bringing you into the closet and seeing all the other people that are involved, that that's what's happening here as well. It, is, it, it looks easy, but it's not. There's, these are specific techniques that you guys have that bring out the best in everybody. 
Yeah, well, and there's the, not only the collection of it, right? So there's that part of it. And then, and then I have to tell you, so when I started this, my job five years ago as the executive director of the foundation, the woman who ran the archive, her name is Jenny Matz, and she's, she's kind of a, a mad genius. She really does such a beautiful job with her team just figuring out how to do all these things. But she, she was telling me, hey, you know what? You know, some of our first, because this archive is now 20, 25 years old. Hmm. Um, she said, you know, some of those early, you know, beta SP masters, you know, these things are starting to deteriorate. So, goodness, you know, we were mm. able to figure out how to preserve it. We actually have a preservation fund now, but we're, these are all being preserved at USC. Um, wow. They have a digital repository there. And then, you know, just it's all a full circle element because we, you know, USC also is the home of the Shoah Foundation. And they're, they are really a model as well for collecting oral histories, right? These sort of long form um, stories with professionals that, you know, their, their stories are, are important. Wow. All right. Finally, here's the last one that I really want to hear to hear what you hear uh, in, in this whole idea. Today's topic of gratitude. We didn't get here by ourselves when Botchko talks about being in that little cubbyhole, that little cubicle. And as Peter Falk comes and meets with the big shots of, you know, Bill Link and and Dick Leonard and he he's he pops his head in every time to just to tell him thank you and how much it meant to him and bill and dick's office you know peter would go in there and yeah you know, but then he'd always come out and he'd stick his head in my little cubby hole of, of, of an office where i was typing and he was so sweet to me how you doing how you doing you know how's it going you know oh, that script was great you know this is this and, this. and in that first year when he was nominated as best actor uh and he won and when he went up, he made this wonderful uh, speech in, in which, among other things, he thanked me by name. And it really sort of put me on the map. I mean, suddenly, I was somebody, you know, working in the business. It was very, he was a wonderful guy. He, he meant a lot to me. Wow. Uh, exactly. <laughs> isn't that so inspiring? Right. Right. It's so inspiring. And I, I think, right, that that's the bottom line. And I think what you're really talking about today, Dr. Clapper, it's so true to be able to express gratitude mm-hmm. in that way. It's it's inspiring to others right? Yep. to know that, you know, every one of these folks was just, uh, you know, doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And then something happened, something changed, something somebody helped them. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were able to, you know, grow their careers and um, and change the world. Right. I mean, we can't we can't deny the power of television. Um, and I think that's, you know, that that is just so inspiring to hear those words. And there's so many things like that in here. Yes. Really, well, we could talk all day. before I let you go, I don't. I want to thank Jane Sparango for making this all happen because she's behind the scenes who set up this interview. So thank you to her. But I want to f- last question. I want to ask you: Take me back to that little apartment in New York City when the girl from the middle of Minnesota <laughs> moves to New York and gets the Peter Jennings job. What was the moment when Cupid shot you in the chest with an arrow and you said? This is what I want to do. What was that moment like? Why? Take us through that. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, when I started my career in New York, I was working uh, in the arts. I learned how to raise money for um, a dance nonprofit, but I knew I wanted to be in TV. 
And the first job I had, I actually sort of failed miserably. I was a PA on a music video for MTV. <laughs> and um, and I don't know how to do crafts, okay? I had to, like, you know, they, they, I remember they gave me some sneakers. I had to spray paint them with glitter. And believe me, you, you don't want to give me that task. I will ruin it, and I did. Um, so I failed. But um, a very lovely producer sort of noticed that I was, you know, organized and smart and you know, could figure things out. And once I kind of got my hands on those first spreadsheets, right, mm. and, um, you know, production schedule, I, I felt at home. Right. Um, and, I, and I knew that this was something, mm. you know, because we're not all, you know, actors, producers, whatever, right. but the, right. the, the art of storytelling, you know, was, was interesting to me. And um, I was really grateful to be able to build a career there. Well, just like those farmers in your background, You're the best, Jody, at planting a seed. You know how to water it, and you know how to make it grow into the best archives that we can have. I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's keep doing what you're doing. We're so lucky to have you really in charge. Thanks so much for making time to be with us this morning. Thank you. It's been so much fun, Dr. Clapper. It's my pleasure, really. The connection between art and sports and surgery, and I just see all those dots connecting. And it's your work that really allows us to see it most definitely in the art world. Thank you again for making time. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. The great Jody Delaney. What a joy. What a treat. All right. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But why would having your meniscus removed so many years ago lead to the need for an implant this week? And let's do some Clapper Vision with LeBron James and his groin injury. We'll get into that coming up next right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Check this out. Weekend Warrior is on the air. From the epicenter of sports in the Southland. ESPN LA 710. With Dr. Robert Clapper, board-certified orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Health Associates. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm still quelling. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. My hero. Yeah, I got some heroes. Think about them all the time. It's interesting. Thousands and thousands of surgeries. I still hear the voices of my heroes in my head every time I go to the operating room. My father who taught me how to use power tools. Robbie, let the saw do the work. Don't push it. Even though it's a power tool, let it do its thing. And here I I hear my voice when I teach saying the same things. Not what an orthopedic surgeon taught me, but what my father, the carpenter, taught me. They don't teach you as surgeons how to use power tools like a carpenter teaches a young apprentice carpenter how to use power tools. So interesting. But if you keep connecting the dots and keep art in your life, no matter what you do for a living, you will have a happier life. And speaking of art, let's do some clapper vision. What exactly is an adductor sprain that LeBron James had? It's painful. It hurts. Thank God it isn't completely torn. So let me take you into the body. You're sitting right now. Maybe you're standing right now. 
One leg goes in front of the other. So let's talk about your hip joint, your groin. When you move forward, you're flexing your hip. The opposite of flexing your hip, to go from standing to sit down, that's flexing your hip. Well, to go from sitting to standing, that's extending your hip. The powerful muscles that help you flex your hip, the iliacus, the psoas muscle, but also the front of your quadriceps muscle, the rectus femoris, when they contract, they flex your hip. Well, you need muscles to counter that. Those are your hamstring muscles, your gluteus maximus. They're behind your butt, deep, connecting the femur to the pelvis, the acetabulum. They're extending it. So those are two directions, flexion, extension. Well, lifting your leg out to the side like doing a jumping jack, for example, right? Your legs go abduction. Those are, if you take your hand, you'll feel where your pocket is. Those are your abductor muscles. And then you have the opposite that brings your foot towards the midline. That's your adductor muscles. So there's two more degrees of freedom, we call it. Well, actually, there's two more in addition to flexion, extension, abduction, adduction. We also have the ability to rotate, to make your toes point externally rotate, point to the right, and then in toe and rotate inward. So there's actually six degrees of freedom in moving your joints. The best way that I'd like you to look at it is a hot dog, right? That hot dog, by the way, where's my favorite hot dog to eat? Probably Carney's, I don't know, Marty's on Pico. Delicious. Oh, my mouth is watering already. But a hot dog is that, is the beef, the meat, the pork, whatever they make this stuff from, it probably doesn't have any of that in it, but it's delicious. And you put it inside the bun. So think about the bun. When you put the hot dog in the bun, you now have the bread on one side, bread on the other. There's bread technically on the bottom. And now the hot dog is exposed only on the top. Well, what if you put mustard and, and sauerkraut, like I like to have it, on top you no longer can see that there's a hot dog in a bun. You just see the bun and the mustard and the, and the sauerkraut. Well, that, weekend warriors, is your thigh. That's your femur. The hot dog is your bone, the femur. And you have a bun on the inside, bun on the outside. You have a bun on the bottom. And you have the mustard and the sauerkraut on top. Your femur is surrounded on all four sides by muscles, flexion in front, extension in the back, and adduction and abduction on the sides. Well, imagine you rip. You put too much, the must, the sauerkraut's too wet, and you know what it does. It drains through and it erodes through the bun. You go to pick up the hot dog. We've all been there. Bada boom, the hot dog falls out the bottom of the bun. You've lost that support. It's been weakened. Well, when you strain either of those four muscles, and there's more than four, by the way, I'm just mentioning this just in general, you now need the remaining muscles to work overtime to contain and keep the hot dog from falling out the bottom if you've busted a hole in one of them. And so when you strain your adductor muscle, which we can see on the MRI, how do we see it? 
because it's a black and white study and we look for the tendon to be black on certain views and when it's not black, it's white. We know it's abnormal. That's an abnormal signal consistent with a strain. We can see that on the MRI. We can also see if it's torn. We can see fractures. We can see ligament injuries, labral tears. We can see everything. And the degree of the grayness, the color gray, the degree of the black, the degree of the white that we see on the MRI, people like Jerry Mink, who's the best in the business as a, as a radiologist, but I also have to look at them myself. I'm not taking care of anybody unless I look at the films with my own eyes because after all these years, I can. the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. I can see things, subtleties, and that's a subtlety when you tell LeBron James, you didn't tear it, you strained it. That's a subtlety. It means it's still abnormal. So there's two issues. One you keep playing, you're going to take the sprain and tear it completely. So that's one issue that the tendon itself is at risk. But here's the other part that's super important, particularly in older players. Your body has to compensate. And it will take perfectly normal structures and overload them and create injuries in your hamstring, in your quad muscle. And you now go down this vicious cycle, particularly in older players. Young players, rookies, you know, they can jump off uh, the top of the building. They'll bounce, but not when you're 38 years old. So it's, a, it's great that it's a mild injury, but boy, you better shut it down and rest and get better. The fact that they can't win a game when he's there or not there now is a problem because he can't do it himself. Basketball requires five players, not one. I remember Charles Barkley describing the Miami Heat once when he talked about Dwayne Wade before uh, LeBron got there. And he said, it's, it's like Michael Jackson and a bunch of Tito Jacksons. You know, you can't do it yourself. Well, I'm so excited for next week because we're going to talk about soccer, Maradona, and the joy of the game as a child. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio. Cantare